0: Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. In the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone, and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo-jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities and some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? All right, everybody. Welcome back. I'm back from the beach. It's an amazing thing to do. You got to take a break every once in a while. If you're working in a startup or in any other context, it's really important to just stop and enjoy life a little bit so that you can come back energized and recharged. That's what you got in me today. I'm here with Mary Jane Fox. What's up?
1: Hello. It's so fun to be on the other side of this interview podcast.
0: Totally. I figured you know, we did the three episodes of ESG Takeover while I was out, so thanks for keeping the podcast going while I was gone for a few weeks. But I thought it'd be fun to jump back in and sort of recap and introduce everyone to you and some of the great work that Techstars is doing, maybe talk a bit about the episodes, which I thought were awesome as well. So let's jump in. Maybe a little bit of background on you. We didn't get to hear that in your Takeover too much about your history. I noticed you have a DR period in front of your name, so... Talk a bit about your own personal journey.
1: Yeah, we wanted to really focus it on like the amazing guests. And yet here I am, I'm the director of ESG at Techstars. So a little bit of my background, yep, the doctor PhD in uh, natural resources with a focus on ecological economics. Since 2005, I've been in the kind of ESG space, working with companies on understanding the environmental risks and social risks to their company, but also the ways they can positively impact the world. So I have a bit of a background on this, and it's really exciting to see the VC space begin to really wake up to the opportunities to consider ESG. So I was a professor prior to this, and then I pivoted to join Techstars in January, and it has been a blast. We've gotten so much done, and so I'm excited to talk about it.
0: Yeah, Techstars is doing a ton, and we want to get to that, as well as a quick recap on the episodes that you recorded so that people can go back and listen to the ones maybe they missed, because I think they were pretty great. The VC industry adopting ESG, like you talked about, that starts industry-wide, right? It comes from the top of the industry. So venture capitalists get their capital from limited partners. Limited partners get their capital from big corporations or maybe foundations, endowments. And now all venture capitalists are being asked, what are you doing in the ESG world? How are you making sure that you're being a responsible investor? Talk a little bit about how Techstars has Been thinking about that broadly and some of the things that we've put in place so far?
1: I really love this question because there's a lot of newness in the VC space trying to figure out how venture capitalists can support the ESG concepts. And one of the things before we get too far down is some people might not know they're listening to the podcast what the acronym even stands for. So, yeah,
0: what's an ESGA? Tell me what an ESGA is before you dive into that.
1: The acronym in the alphabet soup of all this stuff it stands for environment, social, and (parentheses) corporate governance, so how a company is governed, and it was born out of the investment community's desire to understand, like the non-financial data about a company that could financially be material. For its operations. So, things that could impact the bottom line that were once considered outside of the scope of investments, but are now understood to actually impact the bottom line. So, that's kind of where this ESG comes from or or what it means. And because companies don't operate in a vacuum, Techstars doesn't operate in a vacuum, none of our portfolio companies do, there are external risks. To a company being able to create long-term value. And these risks come from the environment and social constraints or poor corporate governance. There's also possibilities for companies to create long-term financial value while also creating long-term environmental and social value. So that's kind of a little bit of the background of what ESG means and what it is. And so at Techstars, we've done a bunch of stuff that is really exciting that we hope more VCs will join us in doing. We signed the UN Principles for Responsible Investing in 2021, and we actually interviewed them for one of the podcast episodes. And they hold investors like us accountable by requiring a yearly report on how an investor is meeting their responsible investment commitments. And also for our investments, we have an updated exclusion list, as well as ESG data collection in our application. And we're also choosing to be accountable to ESG because we are a certified B Corp as of 2015. And we also had a podcast episode about what it takes to be a B Corp.
0: The B Corp thing, yeah, we, as you mentioned, since 2015. So that's not really new. But a lot of the other things you talked about are, are new or newer. One of the things I hear people sort of talk about a lot is like sustainability or diversity and inclusion. How does that wrap into ESG? Is is ESG moral encompassing or, you know, I know there's some confusion around the terminology. How, how can entrepreneurs out there listening think about those different terms that they're hearing?
1: Yes, there is so much confusion on this topic. And so I'd love to clear it up. ESG kind of grew out of these different seeds, which can lead to confusion. And the seeds were either focused on like companies impact on the environment society or, environmental and social risks to a company and their operations and their revenue. So if you think about the backstory, back in the early 2000s, there were companies that were trying to be more socially responsible, doing like philanthropic work. We at the Techstars Foundation work that we're doing there, that is considered CSR or corporate social responsibility. So some founders listening may have heard of that term CSR. And so think big companies donating to support local school sports teams or doing food drives, thinking about supporting kind of philanthropically the ecosystem that they're operating in. And so CSR was kind of the beginning of the ESG journey to some degree. And then that evolved into sustainability, like you asked. So the sustainability movement was kind of where companies started to also think about their impact on the environment and how the environment impacts them. And so it could be perhaps a grocery store chain only offering paper bags and no plastic or sustainability companies were starting to see that they have multiple stakeholders, folks impacted by their company actions, and that it was not just shareholders or investors. So we've kind of gone from CSR to sustainability and sustainability can also be like a flavor of company. If you're a sustainability company, maybe you're in a vertical of like climate tech or something like that. But then we have ESG. And ESG kind of evolved out of those two spaces where investors, who are a powerful crew for change, when investors started to realize companies could lose their social license to operate by making poor social choices like polluting water that local folks drank or they could face environmental problems that could increase costs like hurricanes disrupting their supply chains. So investors started to wonder if they could track how companies were addressing environment, social, and governance issues to understand if they, the companies, were mitigating the possible risks to investor returns. So ESG is kind of the data-driven, thinking about financially material stuff that investors know impact a company and that companies can think about in their operations so that they can manage for those risks or even manage... For a positive impact in those
0: areas, awesome. I mean, you mentioned that investors are a powerful crew, and that where they put their capital actually has impact. That's definitely true. So it's really great to see, you know, this broadly in the venture capital ecosystem starting to, you know, I think pretty far along now and taking hold. And the capital sources starting to demand insight into, you know, how investors think about this. It trickles down though to portfolio companies. So if you're a TechStars portfolio company, or you've been invested in by any venture firm. How does ESG relate to how you should think about the world and how you should move forward?
1: Yes, and so many people listening to this are founders, so I'm excited to talk about that ESG is really about making portfolio companies for us, founders, companies, resilient in an uncertain world, creating long-term value and sustained value for all their stakeholders. So embedding ESG allows founders to avoid being reactive and instead be proactive about anticipated risks or constraints, because as a company scales, it's likely to bump up against environmental or social ethical constraints in the market. So when a thoughtful founder is thinking about creating long-term value and a business that is adaptable for the future, they are inherently already thinking about ESG. For example, founders that embed thoughtful company governance early in the life of their companies, they'll save time and money by avoiding governance issues later. But it's not just about problems. It's also about opportunities throughout performance. And so solid company governance can help with that. And in one of our episodes, Suna, the CEO of Suna Liz talked about how they use publicly available candor clause as a governance tool as an early stage startup that was related to the investors. And if I can give an example of how founders can be thinking about the E in their company, a company that's aware of carbon prices or costs that might eventually impact their bottom line. So they start measuring their carbon footprint, like Sisteo talked about in one of the episodes. Or maybe they choose to have their servers or facilities located in areas that are not at risk for climate events, like wildfires. And then just to touch on the S, a company that commits to having salary transparency or gender neutral language in all its job descriptions is not only thinking about how to attract the best talent, but also about contributing to a more equitable world. So what I'm saying is that ESG for founders is really about thinking strategically and systemically of the entire social ecological system that the company is operating in. And it's something that all companies who want to create long-term value must be thinking about. ESG is not just about certain types of companies like climate tech companies, for example. And in fact, something that ought to interest founders is that at this moment in economic history, according to a recent poll, 70% of major VCs and 60% of angel investors have stated that they expressively factor ESG criteria into their decision-making process. So founders who can talk about how they're thinking about how to address ESG risks for their companies and to seek out performance and to outperform any potential competitors who are not thinking about the full market picture. Founders who can talk about that with mainstream investors are going to be the ones winning the funding battle. And so by establishing these ESG fundamentals in our tech stores portfolio company, we are setting them up for greater success. They'll have an easier time fundraising and hiring talent and gaining loyal customers—at least that's our hypothesis.
0: For sure, I, and I think you know the stats you quoted about VCs—that's going towards one hundred percent, right? They're all going to be asking these questions. And so, if if you're out there starting a company, you have a zillion things to do. And I know you can maybe have the mindset that okay, ESG—I got to think about this now. That feels like a burden, but the reality is, it's an opportunity. As you mentioned, it's going to attract talent. It's going to attract investors. It's going to be disqualifying in some cases if you're not thinking about it. Mm. So I, th- I think it's it's really should be viewed through that filter or mindset of opportunity. Because I think all these areas, right, capital, talent, customers even that are buying your products, they're, they're going to be asking these questions. Yeah. So Techstars is supporting these portfolio companies that are in our portfolio. You know, we funded now more than 3000 companies. There's a lot of work to do to go out and talk to all those portfolio companies. How are we helping them to embed ESG into those
1: companies? Oh my gosh, we're getting so much interest from companies about this. So it's really fun to be ramping up the types of support we have. So starting this half of the year, we're embedding ESG content into our accelerator program. So all the companies coming through Techstars, will have the knowledge and designated time to think about how ESG looks for their companies. And we're working to have action-driven worksheets, templates they can plug into, more ESG-focused mentors, more connections with ESG-savvy follow on investors. So we're also, as a team at Techstars, to support us all rowing in the same direction, we have a company-wide ESG goal that's focused on educating founders on ESG across the programs.
0: So I think the other element, and this is true of mentorship broadly, is sort of modeling the behavior, right? And you mentioned Techstars becoming a B Corp back in 2015 and the UN Principles for Responsible Investing. In what ways is Techstars trying to sort of model you know, how to think about this uh, that portfolio companies could learn from?
1: Yeah. I mean, we're suggesting it to portfolio companies, so we better be doing it ourselves, right? So like you said, signatory of the UN, PRI, B Corp, and Techstars Foundation has invested more than a million dollars in 30 community-driven nonprofits. So that's kind of like the CSR flavor there. But we have a lot of internal operational things that we've been doing. So like when it comes to the S, seven out of 11 members of the Techstars ELT are women and five out of 11 identify as people of color or part of the LGBTQ community. Another S internally for us is that we've revamped our charitable giving policy so that there are now 15 charitable organizations spread across all three ESG categories to which Techstars will match employee donations. Um, An example of internal E is opting to have events like our huge staff con, our huge founder con, be carbon neutral by buying offsets after we've reduced our carbon footprint. And so we also double down on ESG as a company because our Techstars code of conduct, which includes ESG and DEI obligations, is signed not only by all Techstars employees, but also by all Techstars portfolio companies. So that's really inspiring. And many of these things are actually guided. We have this comprehensive, responsible investment in ESG policy That incorporates ESG into our internal operations, our investment selection, our portfolio management. We read a study that came out in 2020 that 75% of investors saw ESG becoming table stakes over the next three years. So that's by 2023. And we want to get ahead of the game because we see that coming faster and we fundamentally believe in it. So we are making it a critical part of how we invest, who we invest in, what we teach founders before it's table stakes for all of us and for them.
0: So I want to get to a quick recap of the three episodes you did because they were all great in their own way. Uh, But before I do that, one more quick question. If I'm listening to this and and I'm a founder and I'm thinking about a company that maybe is a sustainability company and I identify closely with what you're talking about, what's your pitch for why Techstars is the place to come? And, And I recognize that obviously we're investing in all kinds of startups, not just very specific kinds, but if someone's listening to this and thinking about different investors they could work with, why Techstars? Why do you think it's powerful for them?
1: Yeah. So like you said, we're a generalist investor who invests in people and ideas worldwide. So when we talk about ESG for our portfolio companies, we're not necessarily referring to companies that have an ESG style or flavor product. We want all of our companies to embed ESG in their internal operations to increase their resilience to current and future market constraints coming from the environment and society. So I would say that's part of the pitch is any company, come here and we will help you embed ESG and make you more resilient. So, any founder that's ready to be strategic about ESG in their company and wants to be able to talk about it with mainstream investors, they should consider applying to a Techstars accelerator. However, there are some ways that we are spotlighting kind of the E and the S when it comes to supporting founders and companies. For the E, Techstars has invested in over 300 startups focused on solving climate change and environmental sustainability. And they're worth over $3.8 billion, And we're eager to add more every year. And we do have accelerators and managing directors who are seeking to support companies looking to solve big environmental and social problems. For example, we have the Equitech Accelerator in Baltimore and the Paris Accelerator that have invested in a cross section of companies focused on equity, inclusion, and sustainability issues. And we have specialized accelerators like the Farm to Fork Accelerator in St. Paul, the Social Impact Accelerator in Atlanta, Workforce Accelerator in Denver, Energy Tech Accelerator in Birmingham, I could go on. And so there are certain programs that are supporting companies within specific ESG verticals. But I'm really excited to talk about when it comes to the S, We are also investing in underrepresented founders through the Techstars Diverse Entrepreneur Fund, which was raised through JP Morgan private wealth platform and has been invested in diverse and traditionally overlooked entrepreneurs. It will be invested in more than 400 companies across nine U.S. cities, 37 accelerator programs. And the first cities are Atlanta, Chicago, Detroit, Miami, and Washington, D.C. And they've already launched their applications. So if you're a founder, on a quest to have a holistic approach to ESG and your company to be more resilient, and you want to find an investor, and accelerator that cares about ESG too, please, please, we're ready to ha- get your application at Techstars.
0: I want to tie a couple things together there um, based on what you said, because I, I can imagine there's some investors listening to this who are doing angel investing, uh, maybe some of our own portfolio companies are now angel investing in their next phase of their career or venture capitalist. 300 companies out of 3,000 we funded you sort of put in this bucket Of climate, sustainability, and so on, impact broadly, I guess you would call it. There is good reason as an investor to invest in that segment of the market or in those types of startups. We have lots of data on the subject, and I'm here to tell you they perform economically. So this is not something you should do only because it's good. You should also do it because it makes lots of money. And when you talked about the J.P. Morgan Chase Wealth Platform where we raise capital for the diversity-focused programs, those are individual investors who are investing in that opportunity, right? It's not J.P. Morgan deciding we want to throw some money at this and it's some kind of grant or something. This is a lot of money being focused on the opportunity economically as well as you know, the good that it does in the world. So I think that's really important for investors to hear. Quick recap, If maybe there were three episodes. I'm a huge fan of of Liz at Suna. I thought that one was awesome. The B-Lab stuff was super interesting. I I thought you did a great job. I hope I still have a job with this podcast uh, once I'm back now. So hopefully you don't don't win that from me and sort of do all the future episodes. We'll see. The people will vote, I'm sure. Don't worry. But if you are thinking about the people that You know, out there, maybe they want to learn more about specific topics from some of the episodes. How would you kind of break it down the first, second, and third episode? Who should listen to which one? And what sort of high level did they touch on? What's memorable for you from each of those episodes?
1: I love this because the episodes are quite different from each other, even though they all fall under the ESG umbrella. So starting with episode one, we had Olivia, who's the CEO of Sisteo, and then Sarah, who is the CEO of SVT Group. And that episode is really focused on thinking about measurement related to ESG for your company. So Olivia talked about measuring a carbon footprint of a company, any kind of company. And then Sarah talked about What if you want to think about measuring the impact, like strategically, of your company on the world? So if you really are a founder that's interested in this, like, well, how do we start measuring, especially if you're early stage, how do we start measuring some of the CSG stuff? Episode one would be a really good episode to listen to for that.
0: When you say episode one, just to be clear, inside the Get First podcast, it's actually number 66. Yes. Right? uh, That you're talking about. So I don't want people to get confused. So... (laughs) we sort of integrated this with the other episodes. So it's the first ESG uh, takeover episode, but it's number 66 that you're talking about in the series.
1: Important clarification. Thanks, David. So episode then 67, two of the takeover, but 67 in the Give First lineup. This is the one with Liz that you talked about from Suna. She's the CEO of Suna. And then Peter, who's from UMPRI. And I would say this episode is really focused on thinking about Engaging with investors. So, Liz talks about the candor clause and she talks about how any founder at any stage raising any amount of money can use the candor clause when talking to investors. And then Peter talks about what it means when a VC potentially, if a VC is a signatory of the UMPRI, what it can mean for a founder when they talk to them as an investor. So, that episode is really focused on the talking to investors part.
0: Awesome. And then the last one in the series, touch on that one. They're all great. So I want people to understand if they haven't heard them, which ones they want to go back and listen to.
1: The last episode of The Takeover this time around, I guess that'd be episode 68. It's episode three of The Takeover is with Will, who's the COO and co-founder of Project Canary, and then Becca from B-Lab. And this is fully focused on the questions we get from founders about what does it mean to be a B Corp? how do you become one? Should I even become one? Will and Becca really go into what it means to be B Corp and how much time it takes as a startup and whether it's really worth it to do it when you're in the early stage.
0: Well, again, thanks for doing those and I, hearing lots of good feedback on it. Again, so much that I'm, I'm now concerned uh, as the host or one of the co-hosts, but great learning for me. I really enjoyed them. It was fun to listen to them from the beach I want to go back to the beach and so maybe I'll invite you to do another one of these uh, soon if people (laughs) loved it. So thanks for doing it and thanks for being a guest on the Give First podcast today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one. And reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, give first.